0: Welcome to Biblical Foundations, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm your co-host, Jimmy Rowe, along with Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. Join us as we discuss issues in biblical scholarship for the church. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. Here with me is Dr. Andreas Kostenberger, who is the director of the Center for Biblical Studies. Uh, Today, our guest is Dr. Rob Plummer. Dr. Plummer is professor of biblical studies at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is author and co-author of several books, as well as the host of The Daily Dose of Greek. Dr. Plummer, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Jimmy. Glad to be here.
0: Well, Dr. Plummer, one of the books you've co-authored with Dr. Kossenberger here and and Ben Merkel is Going Deeper with New Testament Greek, which is an intermediate Greek grammar uh, that was published in 2016 by B&H and also has a forthcoming second edition. Uh, Perhaps you can tell us about this project. How did it get started? Uh, What was your approach in producing the grammar?
1: Yeah, this, this story is, is a long story. It goes back, of course, when the book came out in 2016, I, I think we probably started brainstorming or working on it back in 2012 or 2013, mm-hmm. even. I, I don't remember exactly. So sometimes it's a bit deceiving, the publication date. Usually the book predates that several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it probably began with uh, uh, Ben Merkel. He's, he's often uh, the one who, at least in my relationship with him, initiates these ideas and then brings in other other co-authors and I know there was some brainstorming going on what what would make the ideal teaching grammar and so you know brainstorming about well we need to we need practice exercises we need vocabulary we want this to be a one-stop shop for students where they learn about text criticism and they learn something about structural analysis and they learn a, also traditional approach to intermediate grammar while bringing that up to date to the most recent research on the middle voice or on verbal aspect and so out of out of those brainstorming sessions came a division of chapters a writing of it um, and 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 the website um, i'll just give a little plug for our website deepergreek.com which has a lot of free resources on there for students and professors to make using that grammar easier for, for professors, tests, quizzes, for students, summary sheets, and so on. And so, um, yeah, it's just, a, just asking ourselves, how can we serve uh, current students? How can we serve the church? Uh, how can we serve the kingdom of God by creating a grammar that helps students to learn better and to learn accurately, to, to learn in an engaging way, to remember that they're learning this so they can read the Bible and and know God and teach faithfully His Word.
2: Yes, uh, Rob, I'm glad you mentioned that ours is a teaching grammar written for the classroom, not merely a reference grammar. What would you say has been the reception of our book? How um, Has it been received by Greek teachers at Bible colleges, seminaries, and universities? Or or even in the local church what kinds of responses have you been getting
1: yeah i've i've received a very positive response from people that it's uh, it's understandable uh, that it's engaging to them that's very encouraging we we give a lot of each chapter begins with what you might call a teaser where there's a, a mm-hmm. illustration given about the theological significance the meaning significance of of some of the concepts being learned and it's it's people find it manageable, so i'm in, I'm encouraged, obviously, you and I both know there's no perfect Greek grammar this side of heaven, but we've <laughs> we've endeavored to do the best we can on it, and uh, i I'm, I'm encouraged that people have found have found it helpful.
2: Yes, uh, Rob, uh, Jimmy mentioned a minute ago that uh, there will be a new edition of our grammar. I think it'll be released uh, this coming year. I think yeah um. In July, uh, you've had a leading role in these revisions. Why don't you tell our audience what they can expect from the new edition? Yeah. What kinds of added value are we providing yeah. in the second edition of Going Deeper with New Testament Greek?
1: Great, yeah. Well, the um, I think people who have been using it as a textbook already, professors will will not find you know that they're going to need to radically change yeah. their syllabi or anything like that. But the um, we have brought it up, up to date for some issues that have changed even since the book came out. So, for example, when when the original grammar came out, there was no Tyndale Greek New Testament that had been published. And That's so right. in the chapter on text criticism now, we have some nice engagement with what is this new critical edition of the Greek New Testament. There's also more detail as more editions of the Additio Critica Maior come out. Mm-hmm. uh understanding really what is what is this and how does it relate to the traditional nestle lot ubs what's going on in text criticism there's a lot of exciting things going on mm-hmm. so we try to walk a fine line of presenting things in a traditional way that most professors were taught themselves and understand but also uh in making sure we're faithful to to describe what's going on with the coherence-based genealogical method and and it's a lot of shifts going on too so, just bringing some things up to date that way, as well as you know footnotes and and websites and Bible works no longer exist as a company so we, we can't can't yep. recommend that anymore you know so just really trying to bring bring the book up to date in that way also, you and I know we both have received a lot of excellent suggestions from different people mm-hmm. uh, i one guy contacted me he said, wouldn't it be great if you just had a an additional table of contents in the front for those uh, annotated readings. Cause I, you know, I want to look up, oh, the one on Matthew 18, but then I I can't remember where it is. And so we have this, uh, you know, just having that supplementary table of contents or Will Varner, who's at master seminary. He so helpfully provided me with some uh, corrections to, to some of the exercises. You know, when you have a book that's over 600 pages, they're going to be, um, dozens if not scores of of minor errors and mistakes and misprints. and so we we've really cleaned it up in that way thoroughly and carefully. Also really appreciate um, the input from Dan Wallace uh, mm-hmm. his his critical interaction with us always makes the book better. We're grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So we're grateful for all of all of yeah. the input that people have given and I think it's a better book because of that.
2: I'm glad uh, we're adding that uh, extra. A listing of, of readings in the front, because um, I'm one of those who mm-hmm. sometimes was looking for one yeah. of those and couldn't find them.
1: Yes. And, and that, yeah, I think that, and, and, uh, and one thing that I, I suggested, I, I, am puzzled when I run into people who use the book and, and I say, well, you know, how have you found the website deepergreek.com? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I didn't even know there, there was a website. Right. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm like Paul at Ephesus, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, 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 and we're, and we, and we say, oh yeah, there's a website, uh, and, and it's really helpful. And, and so we're going to have a more prominent Mm -hmm. listing of that web address. I think it'll even be on the front cover of the book, maybe the back cover so that, so that when students get this, they're able to make full use of these free, they're all free additional resources, you know, uh, digital flashcards, uh, printouts of the PowerPoint, um, and again for professors, quizzes, tests, all these additional materials, and and it, it's what a shame that someone is not able to access those just because they don't know they exist. So we we tried to uh, the book will be I, I trust more mm-hmm. useful, uh, more more accurate, um, but but still uh, for people who have adopted it as a textbook, I find I think they'll find it to be um, there there really will be really Little or no need to adjust, uh, for example, their quizzes or yeah, uh, think the structure they've given to their class.
2: Nothing earth-shattering, but further increasing the utility since it's a classroom text. So we're gonna be responsive to suggestions we're getting, and it's it's kind of like uh, sharpening your knives every few years, right? It'll be so nice to have a really fully up-to-date and and sharp tool. Hopefully, it'll be helpful.
1: I I that is my hope and my prayer. Yes, that we will. Uh, Continue to help people around the country and around the globe Mm -hmm. to draw them draw them in. And I think, as as you rightly said at the beginning, we're not seeking to be the new BDF. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not. This is not a reference grammar. This is not uh, even a Greek grammar beyond the basics. It's it's for the classroom. It's something to uh, after a beginning grammar. It's it seamlessly kind of melds with students where they are there, and uh, we of course. Um, are hoping that they'll continue on and do upper level exegesis and do upper level advanced Greek grammar. That's the desire. This is just a stepping stone in in that pattern. And and then I often students will say, "What do you recommend after I use this grammar? What do you recommend next?" Mm-hmm. Well, the series that you're the co-editor of, mm-hmm. the Exegetical Guide to the Greek New Testament, I think that is a wonderful mm-hmm. series uh, of of for paperback, basically little paperback exegesis courses on the entire New Testament. So after finishing, working through, going deeper with New Testament Greek, someone can get Murray Harris on, on John or Merkel mm-hmm. on Ephesians or one of these and just just study one book and really go, go deep with that, applying what they've learned to, to their exegetical study of a, a particular book.
2: Yeah, so I think it's helpful for people to understand, maybe those who have seen the first edition, maybe those who haven't, that in our book, we're not necessarily trying to break a new ground in Greek research. We're just trying to present, uh, in as accessible format as possible, uh, the best and the most up-to-date research, and I think a good example of that would be uh, the chapter on tense and verbal aspect, where I remember I've spent countless hours talking to some of the leading scholars in the field just to, to see exactly what, if any, is there in terms of uh, cutting-edge current consensus on how the great verb functions. And so I think uh, I'm very excited about that chapter because I think there's not that many uh, intermediate Greek grammars, uh, especially since uh, verbal aspect theory is a fairly recent phenomenon, that that really have a, a cutting edge, up to date discussion of that very important issue.
1: Yes, yeah, I think that's very good. I think um, I agree with you in that, and I, I think um, discussion of the middle voice, mm-hmm. really trying to to respect the traditional grammars and their use of the term deponent, but pointing a way forward and understanding. That, that that term is probably misguided to use in in uh, grammatical analysis. That middle, we should retain the uh, should retain the category of middle in Greek when we're talking about uh, verbs. Even though in English they do sound active, you know, and that's as you say. Well, <laughs> spazomai sounds active. I greet. Why should I? Why not call it deponent? You say, well, to an ancient Greek, mm-hmm. that a- activity of greeting is a reciprocal activity a verb it's a verb of reciprocity in which there are two parties and if one is removed the activity cannot happen and in ancient greek verbs of reciprocity the 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 authors felt the need to frequently mark that with the middle voice even though in english that seems strange to us their comparative linguistics has shown that there are many other languages like this in the world that mark similar activities uh with a middle as as middle voice and so i think through the study of comparative linguistics and also through our careful analysis of ancient Greek grammarians, we've come to see, hey, uh, we need to retain labeling these as middle voice, and there's a value, uh, a learning, a meaning value in, in trying to understand why the Greeks um, did this.
0: I think that's a good segue to the next uh, topic. As you know, there's been a lot of debate about pedagogy when it comes to New Testament Greek. And uh, broadly speaking, what are some of the key issues being discussed today? And for students of Greek, what sorts of things should they consider as they approach learning the language?
1: Yeah, so um, that's a that's a large question. It's hard for me to know Mm -hmm. where where you're kind of you've made it very broad. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the most debatable, Jimmy, to be honest, the most debatable categories of pedagogy probably don't relate too much to our grammar, and that that would be. Uh, there's a big debate in it right now as to whether beginning Greek should be taught as a living language, living language method, or mm-hmm. whether it, the more traditional uh, grammar historical approaches are are correct. And so this would be like someone who wants to come in and, and have dialogue in class speaking Greek to the students and sort of recreating an, an artificial environment where you're learning Koine Greek as a spoken language. And that also entails a debate about what pronunciation system should be used, whether it should be a reconstructed Koine or modern Greek or Erasmian. And so, of course, it is our in our written grammar, uh, we don't have, you know, someone can pronounce it with Erasmian or reconstructed Koine or mo- modern Greek. They can use whatever pronunciation system they want. And also, because our grammar is focusing on the biblical text, Someone who's learned is a, a learning la- living language method will certainly be fine as well as someone who's who's learned up to this point a traditional grammatical historical approach and so um, it's much of the debates about Greek pedagogy would kind of be the semester or year before someone would use this grammar now to be fair if someone is really all in on living language method um, then they they need to. <laughs> They need to probably find an intermediate grammar that continues uh, syncing with that very, very specific approach that they've learned because they'll have learned particular vocabulary related to that and so on. But most most schools that I'm aware of, Bible colleges and seminaries, still, um, still are engaging, if that, not in a traditional approach, a hybrid approach. And this grammar would fit very well with that and And, to be quite frank, the the hundreds and hundreds of examples and texts that are in the book yes. are from the Bible. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, we're learning to read the Bible. And if if someone is their goal is to read the Bible faithfully and intelligently in the Greek language, then then I think they'll find this book their friend,
2: well, Rob, I think at the beginning, you hinted at why it is so important to to uh, for serious students of the Bible. To uh, learn Greek, and I want you to elaborate maybe a bit more because I think uh, you and I would agree that that it's very important to to stress that, and 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 we often don't ask why questions. And yeah. uh, so l- let me ask you: Why is it so important yeah. for students of the Bible, and especially for those who preach the Word, to learn mm-hmm. Greek, even at an intermediate or advanced level? Maybe yeah as part of your answer, you could explain how the intermediate level goes beyond just an elementary grasp yes. of Greek and why it's important to move beyond just an elementary knowledge to an intermediate yes. or even advanced grasp of New Testament Greek
1: yes and and I have like about twelve different infomercials I add <laughs> into my <laughs> class on this <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know you don't have time to listen to all this, but I will I will say that Ben Merkel and I have written a book very much just on this particular topic called Greek for Life, which is basically like a cheerleader, a personal coach, a mm-hmm. uh, coach in a box where all along we're saying this is why you're learning this filled with inspirational quotes historically and so on like that so I'm I'm all about this and I'm you know through the through the ministry I have with the daily dose of Greek I'm constantly seeking to to draw people to the text the, the short answer, the reason we want to learn Greek and learn it well is God chose to reveal his inerrant and holy word in it. And so much of what we're to believe about who Christ is and what he's done and and what is right and wrong and ethical questions in the church and preaching a sermon every Sunday. What does the text mean? If you're in the New Testament, virtually any text, ultimately there's going to come a question. Why does this English translation differ from that one? Mm-hmm. What is I'm reading? You know, you're reading the best commentaries. If you don't know Greek and you can't read the best commentaries, if and if you are reading the best commentaries and you don't know Greek, then you, you don't understand half of what they're saying because they're they're frequently making an argument based on uh, syntactical constructions, grammatical issues, semantic range issues of words, and and you're just sort of left at a loss. And so, uh, I sometimes give the example in my class. You know, imagine that. That you were talking to someone from the University of Louisville. I live in Louisville, and and they say, "Oh, I'm a French teacher." And you say, "Oh, that's fascinating. You know, what, what you you teach? What do you teach? I teach French literature. Oh, that's that's you know like Camus, Moliere. Yes, yes, I teach Camus. Well, that's wonderful. When did you learn to read French? And if they say, "Well, i I I just read the English translations. They're they're pretty good. You know." I don't read French. I don't know French. You, in your mind, you'd have to think this person is a fake. <laughs> yeah. They're a poser. What they're, you know, they're claiming that this is their specialty. They know this. This is their passion, and they don't even know French. And so you think about us. We say we believe this is the very word of God. Every every word written was the word God wanted written. This is the inerrant. But will we take the? Will we make the effort? Will we? Well, we do the work to actually read those words in the Greek and in the Hebrew to know them and and to to savor them. And so, you ask why why go beyond beginning Greek? Well, beginning Greek you do learn basic paradigms and you learn um, you know three hundred thirty vocabulary words or so. But but then when you take syntax, which is really more what our book is about. Mm-hmm. It, you learn, wow, there's so many nuances I didn't realize. I When I memorized the genitive, I just memorized it as of, right. of, you know, yeah. the, ooh, of God. and And now I realize, oh, wow, the genitive can communicate source. It can be the implied object of a verbal activity or the subject. You know, there's genitive of time. There's all these different nuances of the genitive, the dative, there's nuances of different tenses. You just don't, you, there's no way to cover that in beginning Greek. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't take Greek syntax or at least study it on your own, um, you're at a serious dis- disadvantage in the language. You're really somewhat dangerous because you have such a basic knowledge. Um, and and uh, you would be unable without without basically the level of textbook we've written, You you would really not be able to follow the discussions in the best commentaries. After reading... After working through this textbook, um, you'll be ready to read the best commentaries. You're not—you're not, you're not going to write a commentary yet. You're not going to be like, you know, a Greek world-class New Testament Greek scholar because you've read an intermediate Greek textbook. You'll, but you'll be able to follow those discussions and sift them, weigh weigh those arguments for yourself, and you'll—you'll you'll be well on your way to a lifetime of reading, enjoying, and understanding the Greek New Testament.
0: Well, you touched upon, uh, obviously, the intermediate grammar and uh, even moving beyond that to the advanced level through the egg and T series. Um, for some of our listeners who may be interested and in, in, uh, persuaded now to venture into the study of, of Greek uh, and having taught for many years, do you recommend a good starting place for beginning students? Is there a particular grammar you recommend? or? Even thank you for that series?
1: softball, Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. There we go. Hold on, I've got my bat back. Bam. Well, uh, Ben Merkel and I coming out with a a grammar, Lord willing, in 2020, getting started with New Testament Greek, which hope I hope to be a nice uh, prequel to this grammar. Mm-hmm. Just a very uh, a, a grammar that that uh, is engaging and accurate and faithful. So I, I at this point I would recommend that it's going to have a website also associated with it and and a lot of video clips to help people um in the meantime uh, of course david allen black's classic learn to read new testament greek that's a classic introduction that's very good mounts uh intro grammar is obviously well known and well received around the world there there are a lot of good options depending on student's particular bent. I tell students the, the, the perfect Greek grammar for you is the one you already have on your shelf. Usually it's, it's the students need to say <laughs> the mm-hmm. professor that you've taken a class with, study that one or you had you required that in the past. Stop looking for the perfect grammar and use the one you have. It's, it's good. And so um, I'd recommend that on the daily dose of Greek. We have some uh, short little beginning videos even starting with the alphabet so if someone's listening to this and they're really rusty or they've never even learned Greek they can get a little free start there and kind of get a get going in the language um and so yeah it's my passion to 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 my my sacred mission mm-hmm. to help connect people to the Greek New Testament and and uh I'm glad I'm I'm honored and grateful that you give me a little platform here to to appeal to people
0: Well, we certainly appreciate your work, and we want to encourage all of our listeners to check out the Daily Dose of Greek. If you haven't so far, it's been um, a very helpful tool, even for myself as a student, uh, to keep up with my Greek and to continue to grow in that area. And so, Dr. Plummer, I want to just thank you so much for joining us. It's been a delight to have this conversation with you.
1: Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. And thank you very much, Andreas, for the invitation.
0: You're welcome. Great to partner with you. Thank you for joining us today at Biblical Foundations. For more information, please visit the Center for Biblical Studies at Midwestern at cbs.mbts.edu. For further resources, please also visit biblicalfoundations.org. Please join us again next time at the Biblical Foundations podcast.